your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Stay tuned to learn more about Bilt Bar's great lineup of products. On tonight's episode, there is... um. There's quite a bit to discuss. Winnipeg has now played two full games in the Northern Division between uh, Ottawa and Toronto. And of course, they've played versus Calgary, but I think the Calgary game, you probably didn't try to take too, too many uh, takeaways from it just because, let's be honest, it was the first game of the season and most of the teams hadn't really been playing or practicing for several months on then. So you really couldn't read too, too much into the early sample size. The same still technically applies now, but I think there are some trends that we've seen for many years now, and I feel like these these uh, next couple of games have been more or less what we expect from this Jets team, with a few added unpleasant surprises. Now let's start off with the very first game uh, between the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs, which quite honestly was very painful to watch. Winnipeg basically got run out of Toronto, and the only reason that it wasn't a worse scoreline than 3-1 was because Connor Hellebuck was really great in net. For like a solid 55 or so minutes, Toronto frankly paddled the Jets, and the only reason that it wasn't a worse pancaking was, again, because Hellebuck was amazing, and because, you know, eventually Toronto started to let off the gas a bit, maybe took a couple of undisciplined penalties, and score effects kind of took over. As far as grading performances from this game are concerned, uh, the forwards are going to get like a a D for me. I mean, (sighs) I get that the Leafs are a really great squad, right? But... I feel like Winnipeg's top six has been almost absent for the uh, the first couple of games. Against Calgary, Winnipeg immediately kind of looked a bit slow and, you know, not quite there with it until, uh, I would say, the second and third periods, which, you know, it's not the worst. I mean, these guys are all pretty rusty. Again, they haven't played in forever, so I can excuse some rust and a little bit of lack of sharpness. The next game, though, against the Maple Leafs, Winnipeg just looked very overwhelmed. And the funny thing is, is the Leafs actually got slower as a whole. I think the foot speed on that team is not great. Where they do still have speed is is in team passing and distribution, which for the Jets is something that they really struggle with. I think we saw early, the Jets kept feeding it along the walls to try and make zone exits, which Toronto knows how to read. Every team seems to know how to read that because Winnipeg just kind of keeps wrapping it around along the boards, trying to throw it out to like a forward or something along either the left or right flanks, but it just always gets picked off because, again, it's not exactly fast, it's not really that hard to read, and teams understand the book on how Winnipeg tries to make his own exit. So, instead of doing that, maybe the Jets could try literally anything else. For a while, this kept uh, the Jets from exiting their own zone, and they just kept getting hemmed in constantly, with the, the defense really struggling to do much of anything, and the forwards not really being able to create offensively either, because, again, they were spending the entire period inside their own zone. 
in order to create offense, you actually have to get out of your own defensive zone so you can start to create counters and pressure up the ice, and it took Winnipeg forever to actually do that. And even when they did, it was pretty ineffectual. I know the shot clock through the first 20 minutes said like 10-10 or whatever for both teams, but let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the Leafs had better opportunities. Winnipeg shots were from distance and not really dangerous. And honestly, the Jets just looked very slow. And then the second period happened and Winnipeg just kind of, I don't know, caved under the pressure. The Jets just really didn't look like they were up for it. And of course, you know, Toronto scored a nice power play goal and then another goal from Marner who uh, got like a rebound that kind of leaked through Hellebuck, but you can't blame Hellebuck at all. He was extremely good yesterday, and I felt like his performance in net, especially against a really dangerous slot offense that just kept pouring on shot after shot and chance after chance, really kept the team in it. The fact that the Jets even had a shouting distance at actually tying the game and keeping things close really speaks to the fact that Hellebuck was more like his Vezina self yesterday. I forget which site it was, but one expected goals model had something like 4.37 or so expected goals in favor of Toronto, which is just pretty crazy. I think Winnipeg was expected to score like one and a half at most, and you just understand that it's a bit of a paddling. And when Winnipeg actually got out of its own end of the ice, it actually was able to create a decent amount of chaos, especially later in the game. I would say that the power plays were pretty bad. I mean, they just really weren't generating anything. And instead, I think there were a couple of decent shorthanded chances for Toronto. And Winnipeg's even strength offense just really didn't do a whole lot. And the crazy thing is, you can actually dice up Toronto's defense pretty easily. The Leafs have to rely on a lot of counters and a lot of offensive pressure inside the offensive zone through a lot of puck possession and fast passing. Otherwise, they're kind of not that great. They have some phenomenal top six offensive talents, but I think the rest of the team, we can all agree, is probably a little bit slower than it was in previous seasons, and yet it looked like a bunch of gazelles out there against the Jets, which ain't exactly a great sign if you're Winnipeg. I gave the forwards a D. I'm going to give the defense another D. I really didn't see anyone out there who was doing particularly well. I think um, Niku got top pairing time with Josh Morrissey, and that's just not really going well. You know, like Pullman is a bit overwhelmed. I think Niku is also in over his head, which is not shocking. I mean, here's a guy who has continually been press boxed or playing in the AHL for most of his career. And in order to actually get him acclimated to the NHL, you would have had to have developed him a lot sooner over the past couple of seasons rather than what we're seeing now, which is he's going from almost no time on NHL ice to suddenly being given like top pairing minutes. That's just not good enough. Niku needed to be brought along a lot gentler and in a manner where we could see whether or not he was actually going to be cut out for the NHL level because as it is right now, he's definitely not there and I don't know if he ever will be. A lot of people are like, well, we told you so, and it's like, no, you didn't. We told you that Maurice was not going to win a championship with this team, and that's still holding true. The fact that Niku has floundered as he has is actually more of an indictment on the team itself for having not really developed him in a normal time frame than it is Niku's own fault. Now, yes, Samin does need to be better, but he's also being given zero support, and he's been put in a position that's very difficult. Josh Morrissey is really struggling out there, and to have him and Niku paired together when both guys are maybe not suited for top-pairing duty is kind of nuts. I like the theory of giving Morrissey a really assertive puck-carrying offensive defender, but I feel like Niku is a bit overwhelmed right now, and it's not in a situation that's particularly conducive to helping him along. All of his mistakes are only going to be amplified when he's paired with a guy who's also struggling himself. I don't really know what exactly Niku's future holds, but I feel like this just wasn't the way for him to get NHL time. He needed to be sheltered ages ago and given at least some level of acc acclimation before you start throwing him into the deep end, which just never happened, and I feel like what we're seeing now is partly a result of that. Maybe all he will ever be is an AHL defender, but we'll never know if he could have been more because, let's be honest, he wasn't really given a pathway or a clear shot at having an NHL role in a meaningful manner. 
But I'm going to uh, stop my Niku rant there. Well, you know, obviously the Leafs ended up beating up the Jets 3-1, and it just wasn't a great game. So obviously the next game, you know, the following day, which is tonight, was against the Ottawa Senators. Another road game against another Ontario team. Could Winnipeg actually show up, or would they get embarrassed again? You'll find out in just a little bit. But before then, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about why you need to be using BetOnline.ag. We are well underway into NFL playoff action, and now it's time for some conference championships. And if you think you know who's going to win between Buffalo, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and Green Bay, and want the safest, most reliable, and trustworthy place to place your online bets, look no further than BetOnline.ag. They've got you covered for all sports, including college football, NHL action, NFL matchups, and so much more. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Whether you think you've got your Super Bowl winner already picked or even a Stanley Cup champion a few months in advance, BetOnline.ag is the only place you need to be doing your online betting. Signing up for a free account is super easy, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Get the most out of your sports fandom and love today and head on over to BetOnline.ag. And again, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON when you're making your free account for a 50% welcome bonus with your first online deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are reviewing some stuff over the last 48 hours of Winnipeg Jets hockey, and throughout the rest of the week, we'll have even more Jets coverage and NHL recaps and reviews, as well as some quick thoughts about some of the top teams in the league and some of the worst as we continue on throughout the rest of the season. Look out for game recaps from Thursday, Friday, and onwards throughout this weekend and the end of this week. Speaking of game recaps and whatnot, it's time to turn our attention to Ottawa versus Winnipeg tonight, which was, yeah, a bit of a howler. Um, somehow Winnipeg squeaked out of this with a 4-3 overtime win, but let's be honest, Winnipeg did not deserve to win at all. The Jets, again, for like a second straight night, got absolutely curb stomped by a team that they should have at least been competitive with, if not better than. I get that the Jets are obviously not in a great state right now without Patrick Lyonne, Dylan DeMello, and a couple of other guys, but let's be real. This team is still extremely talented, relatively speaking, given their opponents, right? You know, I think the Jets don't exactly have a top-tier defense right now, but it's, I mean, it's not great. I wouldn't even call it, like, serviceable in some areas, but it might be enough to hold out against a team like Ottawa. Apparently, that wasn't really the case, because not only were the defenders terrible, but the forwards were atrocious, too. I get the sense that the top nine just wasn't really at the races. I feel like Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, uh, at times Nikolai Ehlers, and some of the other guys just really weren't, I don't know, 100%. And I feel like it was definitely evident when Ottawa kept out shooting the Jets, kept out rushing the Jets, had more dangerous slot chances, and just generally outcreated whatever it was Winnipeg was doing on the ice. Winnipeg was slow, Winnipeg was bad, and I, I don't really understand how the Jets actually pulled off a win, if other than the fact that the Sens are just not that good either. You know, Ottawa, <laughs> they frankly deserve to have like a, like a three or four goal lead here, but somehow, you know, Laurent Bressois was very good, and the Jets managed to squeak out a, a game winner thanks to Nikolai Ehlers on a breakaway after barely tying it right before the end of regulation on a deflected shot with an empty net. So quite a few fluky goals here. A lot of the goals tonight were deflections or really fortunate circumstances. Winnipeg man is just not that good. I would say that at, like, top performance, I, I guess, would be Laurent Bressois. I thought that, again, he was very good in net. He kept the Jets competitive, and he faced, like, 40 shots. If you want to be making the playoffs at all, you really cannot be conceding, you know, 40-plus shots a night, especially to goaltenders who are going to be a little bit rustier as they start to warm up to NHL speed. The other thing that stood out to me was just the fact that the uh, even-strength offense wasn't really there, and the power plays were pretty bad, too. 
Thankfully, despite the crappiness of the power plays, Kyle Connor did actually pot a really nice goal. He's actually been doing okay, I would say. Defensively, Connor is definitely still a bit of a black hole, but at least in creating his own space and, and doing zone transitions and stuff, he's been a little bit better. He and Daylers, I would say, have been doing a lot of heavy lifting in that top six, which is not super surprising. I will say that I was frustrated that Maurice again put Connor back on the top line after a couple of shifts where Ehlers was struggling a little bit, but it's not just on Ehlers. That whole top line is really bad. Shifley just continues to not really look all that engaged, and it's it's a weird trend with him over the past couple of seasons where he continues to create a lot of offense, but he's just not dominant like he could be in, in certain seasons before. I feel like right before 2017-18 was when he was at his peak, and then ever since then his play has kind of declined and just become really good rather than excellent. Like, if you've got a first-line center, you need him to be excellent. Which, offensively, Mark Shifley can be that at times. I mean, there are many opportunities where he's created great passing lanes. He can be a really elite shooter. I mean, there's a lot to like with his offensive game once he's inside the attacking zone. But outside of it, he's just kind of a mess, and I don't really know what's going on with him. It's been a trend for the past couple of years, and, like, his body language just doesn't seem really great. I feel like he, in many ways, if he were to ask me as an outsider who I thought the Jets were actually looking to trade, it'd be Mark Shifley. He just doesn't really look happy, and it's been a trend for, again, a couple of seasons, and I'm kind of worried that it's going to be a, a thing that continues as long as Paul Maurice is in charge. He just doesn't seem to get along with how the Jets play, and I feel like that's kind of reflecting itself on the ice, too. Wheeler was also just really bad. I mean, Blake is getting old, man. I feel like he slowed down to the point of being an active liability whenever he's on the ice. It's a shame because there was a time when Wheeler was so good at driving possession, being a really great power forward, cutting inside against defenders, and driving in towards that net to create a lot of offensive opportunities and chaos, but he just can't do that anymore, and so his only real attribute is being a passer on the power play, which, if you're paying a dude almost $8.5 million every season, that's just not good enough. The problem with Wheeler is that there's not really a way for him to get better unless he suddenly rejuvenated his career and got like five or ten years younger. And that for me is very, you know, frustrating and a little bit worrying. He's got like four years left on his deal, he's got a no-movement clause, and he seems more like he's ready for retirement than somebody who's actually going to play this contract out. I don't know what the Jets are supposed to do with him, but he really can't be playing top-line minutes every night. If you put him in more like a depth role, I feel like he'd actually start to produce and have better results. He needs to have his minutes limited just because, at his age, he's really not carrying that top line anymore. It's very clear that Shifley isn't capable of doing that right now either, but Wheeler is also holding him back. The top line needs speed, and right now it doesn't have any unless Ehlers gets back up there, or, or Connor continues to be a really good transition player. Other than that, it's just very slow and very sluggish, and not good enough. The rest of the team was just not particularly great. I mean, the depth forwards I thought were fine. The third line seemed to be having a pretty decent night. Uh, and of course, Lowry, I think, had a tipped goal, so congrats to him. The defense was whew, a bit rough. Um, not really shocking. I mean, Sami Niku, again, continues to be in over his head, which, like I said earlier, not surprising. Hasn't really been brought along very uh, comfortably, and the rest of the defense is just bad. Forbort had a bit of a mare of a game, which I feel like isn't shocking when you're having a lot of slot chances. Derek is very good when he has time and space to make passes and stuff, but when he's under pressure near his own net, that tends to be when you see some of his limitations. Stanley and Beaulieu are also not particularly great. Those guys are, like, not getting a whole lot of minutes, but when they do get minutes, they often make a lot of errors in their positioning and gapping and stuff just isn't ideal. Stanley needs entirely too much time and space for him to make plays that just aren't going to be allowed by teams that really pressure intensely, aggressively, and quickly. 
this team from this game is going to get like a D for me. Like even though they won in overtime, they just did not deserve it at all. And they got heavily outshot. They were outchanced. The expected goals battle was pretty bad. And if things don't improve quickly for the next 53 games or so, Winnipeg's going to be in a bit of trouble. I feel like it's going to be relying on the rest of the Northern Division to really drop leads and not be that great in order for the Jets to make the postseason. Because they're playing more like their Detroit Red Wings first half last season. Not good, man. Not good. I'm going to save my Jets thoughts for now, though, and kind of turn towards the rest of the league in just a little bit, including some teams that maybe are actually performing well under the surface but aren't getting the results yet. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit more about Built Bar and why you should be getting in on their relaunch right now. For longtime listeners of this podcast, you know I'm a personal fan of the Built Bar franchise. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their original flavors, I highly recommend Mint Brownie and Raspberry, as they're both of my personal favorites, but if you can't decide, be sure to try out their variety box, which includes up to 18 different flavors, so you can find your own favorite flavor. Like any great product, though, Built Bar is constantly looking to innovate and push the envelope, and they're back and better than ever with six brand new flavors, including Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. As good as these bars taste, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 15 to 19 grams of protein, and around 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for keto diets, as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To get started, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com when you check out. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight talking about some of the games that have been ongoing throughout this evening and some results that maybe suggest some teams are a little bit better than they uh, perhaps are getting records for or maybe teams that are overperforming a bit. Squads that might be underperforming include Buffalo right now who have actually been not that bad. I think the Sabres underlying numbers uh, wise look pretty decent. This is a team that's creating decent chances, uh, Lots of good cross-seam puck movement from what I've seen, and not like I'm watching them really intently, but from what I've heard and what I've seen of footage, I mean, they look all right. They don't look like a terrible, terrible team. A couple of years ago, they used to play really, really bad hockey, and their opening against the the Caps was pretty bad, I'm not going to lie. I did watch that one, and that wasn't great, but the past couple of games since then, they've actually looked pretty decent, and they were much better against the Caps in the second game, if not even better than Washington. Speaking of the Caps, they had a lead against Pittsburgh this evening and blew it and then lost in overtime, which I think their 2-0-1 record is probably a little bit generous. I think the Caps are just not that great. I think they're actually 2-1-1 instead, not 2-0-1. Uh, but the, the Caps are just, I don't know, they're a strange squad. Offensively, they have plenty of firepower to overcome most NHL teams and actually hold on to a lead with a decent margin, but I think the defense and the goaltending are going to be huge question marks, especially the defense. I don't know that the Pens are as good as they used to be, but if you give them an inch, they're going to run with a mile, and I think that that's something that Washington hasn't really been great at, at, at shutting down. And certainly the Caps with the lead kind of, well, they basically spilled it like that chili spill gif from the office. Not ideal if you're the Caps. Speaking of not ideal, the Columbus Blue Jackets continue to lose games, and from what it sounds like, they've just not been very good at all. They're getting outplayed, they're getting outscored, their goaltending is okay but not great. Just generally speaking, I think they're very underwhelming and it's not super shocking that they're struggling. I think a lot of things are going wrong. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois still wants out, so that's going to be a situation that at some point the, the Jackets are going to have to address. Their defense isn't great, the, uh, the offense is significantly weaker than it was in previous seasons, just not a great team overall. 
Detroit, though, somehow continues to string together wins. They've actually been getting a resurgent Bobby Ryan for some reason, who just seems like he's had a new lease on life since joining. I think Bobby has something like four goals already, which is pretty crazy for a dude who couldn't crack Ottawa's lineup for months, if not even years. And it's it's kind of nuts that now he's actually earned a roster place and he's actually producing pretty well. Teams that might be overperforming uh, just a little bit, we've got the New Jersey Devils who beat the Rangers, and I feel like the Devils have actually conceded a lot of chances and shots, but thankfully, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood's been very good in net, and their young stars like Jack Hughes are starting to put two and two together and really have uh, great goal-scoring instincts and playmaking ability. I don't expect the Devils to be like a really great playoff contender, but if they could make the dance, maybe they have a little bit of a shot at making some noise. It's just, I feel like they have a pretty tall hill to climb, especially when it comes to surmounting some of these other teams like Washington, Pittsburgh, and the rest. They're going to have to somehow get over that mushy middle of, of decent teams that are maybe not on the cusp of being excellent, but still good enough, which is a squad like the Philadelphia Flyers, who somehow beat Buffalo 3-0 despite not really doing much for the entire game. I don't know, the Flyers are a strange squad. I feel like, on the one hand, they should be pretty good this season, but on the other hand, the absence of Couturier and some of their other young players is probably not making the situation any easier. That said, they still have lots of talent on hand, so I would expect them to continue to be a decent squad, but I don't know what their ceiling is. They might be fun in the same way that New Jersey is, but not exactly a a team that you expect to go particularly deeply into the playoffs. That's going to do it for our NHL look-in, though, for this evening. We'll have more coverage tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week covering some of the recaps and stuff and maybe looking in at some top performers and even more relative disappointments. For now, though, that's going to do it. Before you log off, be sure to listen to Locked On NHL. Don't miss another big hockey story and start your week off with Locked On NHL. Every Monday, Locked On Kings host Sarah Avampato interviews local experts covering the biggest stories in hockey. Get reactions to blockbuster trades, deep dives on the teams destined to be at the top of the standings, and analysis of hockey's hottest stars. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, have a great night, and as always, Go Jets Go!